Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. I'm Douglas L., your host. You can now contact me directly via text, 919-675-1058. That's 919-675-1058. Or join our Facebook group at the Anon Podcast. That's T-H-E-A-N-O-N-P-O-D-C-A-S-T to fellowship with other guests. This podcast aims to be a commentary and discussion of Narcotics Anonymous literature, aiming to enrich the recovery experience of those who are on this beautiful journey. This podcast should not replace contact with your sponsor, your involvement with Stepwork, or participation in the fellowship. Please use this podcast as another resource toward our collective growth as addicts in recovery. We're simply addicts seeking recovery. Nothing more, and for sure, nothing less. Now let's get started. Hi, my name is Jim, and I'm an addict. My home group is in High Wycombe online. And I am originally from West London and live in Somerset now. The 18th of July, Growth Takes Vulnerability. By asking for help, we can change. Sharing is risky at times, but by becoming vulnerable, we are able to grow. Basic Text, Chapter 9. Just for today, Living the Programme. As kids, some of us become completely self-reliant out of necessity because the people and institutions meant to care for and help us consistently let us down. That skill got us through our using days until it didn't. Others of us defiantly sought help when we were using, but it wasn't to assist us in our growth. The help we wanted was for feeding our addiction and often put us in risky situations. We were vulnerable, but not safe. The act of coming to NA is an admission that we need help. But are we thinking of our personal and spiritual development as we drag our butts into our first meeting? For most of us, the answer would be a resounding no. We just want to stop using. A member shared, asking for help was not an option. That meant I was weak, a whiner, a loser. I could be retaliated against, humiliated, rejected or abandoned. Because that's what happened when I showed vulnerability out there. Sharing in recovery does pose some risks. Rejection is possible and real. We expose ourselves to feeling shame and guilt. And who wants to experience any of that? Sometimes... The risk is about accountability, like if we tell someone what we're contemplating or feeling, then we might have to do something about it. However, withholding and going it alone makes us less safe. We become more fearful, our isolation intensifies, and then acting out can seem like a good idea. As we grow in recovery, the pain we experience from isolating or acting out eventually outweighs the pain of sharing what's going on with us. Our experience of sharing with other members demonstrates that, overall, we find acceptance, support and love. We learn that it takes courage to be vulnerable. Our desire to grow as recovering addicts eclipses our fears of feeling exposed. I will assess what I may be concealing and where I'm afraid of being vulnerable. 
I may not make the choice to ask for help today, but I know I'm safer if I do. It's great to be of service. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone. This is July 18th, and we're here with Catherine F. What's happening, Catherine? Hey, what's going on? I'm glad you can make it. So, Catherine, can you tell us your clean date where you attend meetings, and can you give your home group a shout out? Absolutely. It is June 6th. I'm sorry, June 7th, 2006. <laughs> I already messed up. Um, I attend Recovery by Sunrise, which is Monday night. It's my home group in Valley Stream, New York. All right, awesome. So, so Catherine, can you share your thoughts on growth takes vulnerability? Yeah, um, this is definitely a great reading. Um, I actually kind of say something similar to, you know, my sponsees and my support group, um, which my sponsor taught me, right? Without vulnerability, without accountability, there's really no opportunity for growth. Um, so I, I can definitely um, relate to the first paragraph. And, and this is one thing I love about any literature, just the ability to relate to pretty much everything it says, um, learning that relating to the feelings and, and not necessarily the situation um, is where I'll connect the most, but sometimes the situation gets hit right on the head, right? So um, as kids, some of us believe like we're just gonna constantly be let down because that's our experience. And um, I think for me, witnessing parental hypocrisy and, and not really understanding what that was, um, not being able to discuss it, like, how come you told me to do this, but then you did this, even though you told me that's wrong. Um, that happened enough where I started to really question my parents um, and, and then kind of all authority figures without yeah, really it realizing that, it. it. It breathes that like distrust. It's like, hold on, if you're, mm -hmm. if you're telling me something, let me put the lens on. It's like, you're not, you're not doing that shit. Exactly. So we, we bring that right into right into the rooms of hearing people talking about being clean three years. Do you remember like taking that in? Somebody talking about like they're they're clean for three years and thinking bullshit. Nobody yeah. does that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one of the best examples I, I can give is like you know your parents teach you not to lie, and then we would go on to the Long Island Railroad right to go into the city, and my parents would be like, if they ask your age, you're this old, so you you get on for free, right? And I, I remember thinking like, but you told me not to lie. And, and that just sounds wrong. And I remember like almost arguing with them as the conductor was walking towards us. And my parents were just like, shut up, you know? But like, and it's a funny example, but it's, it's pure in the sense that like, hmm. why am I going to listen to you next time you tell me not to lie, right? So starting to question things. Um, and then there were some way heavier situations that um, caused distrust. But um, I remember people saying to me when I first got clean, chase your recovery like you chase your drugs. And, and that really allowed me to connect the whole like, well, you were so willing to be uber risky while you were getting high. You put money in a hole and hope drugs came out, right? Um, you just assumed what was in the bag was what you ordered kind of thing. Um, hanging out with people you barely knew because so-and-so told you they have good stuff, right? So if I was willing to do all that, can I be willing to get vulnerable? Can I risk opening up to a stranger that's saying they want to help me and they didn't take any money from me and I know they're not going to try to rob me? Like, what am I really risking? Um, I'm risking getting better, which is something I could get down with. And um, 
And then it goes into, you know, we think of our personal and spiritual development, or we don't think about it necessarily our first meeting. Um, and I could definitely relate to that. You know, I stepped into the rooms of NA during treatment. Um, and I really, I really just wanted to know how to stay clean on the outside, because I was so, so fearful, a healthy fear, but I was so fearful that I was going to get out of this safe bubble of treatment and die. Like I, I've always had a thing. healthy fear. As I was exiting um, an institution, I, I, I didn't stay clean. I kind of wasn't clean in there anyways, but I told, I told the, the counselor, you know, on that little outtake, you know, little 15 minute, hey, you know, good luck. I said, look, man, I'm getting high. You know, that's it. Yeah. And I think they gave me like some three day extension or something like that, you know, but, <laughs> but yeah, I had the same thing, man. It was like, look, I, I understand about trying, you know, when, when you monitor us like this, yeah, you know, it's hard to cop and can't get high but what the fuck are we supposed to do? Like the second, you know, the second we're outside. Yeah. And, and when you go back to people, places and things, right? Like, how am I supposed to, you know, do that? So, so kind of finding NA as my new family um, and, and learning, like I had to get vulnerable in there, just like I got vulnerable with people in treatment. Um, I started having practice in there. So I'm, I'm fortunate for that. Um, so I, I will say this, I do appreciate that it says sharing in recovery does pose some risks. Um, I tell people this all the time, like not everything is for sharing in the rooms. Like um, you put something on the middle of the floor, everyone can touch it. So that's why we have a sponsor and that's why we have a support group. Um, while I, I think I can share 95% of my story, maybe some of it is um, triggering or, or really kind of... Um, taboo or it, it could be for for people that i've sponsored they they want to talk about sexual abuse sometimes um but that's me. what i was just going to press in i was going to say I, yeah I, I would assume that most most topics that fall under the perspective of saying hey maybe pull the specifics back because it could be insightful or it could set um it could if if i'm vote if i'm if i'm at risk in an area to share that and maybe somebody could manipulate or kind of use that to hurt me or something that probably the specifics probably don't need to be at meeting level. I think it's important though, to be able to talk about um, feelings and patterns though, right? Absolutely. Because we could, we, we, you know, we, we could talk about like patterns and, and, and kind of like, you know, Hey, if this, even if it's a sexual nature and like one question I'm going to ask you is talking about like, Hey, the, the last italics, is there anything going on in your life that you're feeling vulnerable that you maybe haven't kicked out yet or haven't talked? Most of the times, like for me, it always falls under like food, sex, and money. That, those are the big three, right? Like mm -hmm. those are the big three. And uh, if I identify patterns of like, hey, I'm here, here, and here, and then whoop, I'm off the cliff, I don't need to go into specifics. Right? I don't Absolutely. need to say, hey, look, this is what I did for four hours and this is what, you know, whatever. But it's like, hey, look, I'm, I have this pattern. I feel it in my body. My thinking goes this way. I pull back and then boom, here's the fall off. Well, shit, now I can get into the recovery process, right? Right. Now and I, I think it take, it took me time to understand how to just share about the feelings um, mm -hmm. without all the specifics. So um, when someone's kind of brand new and not sure how to do that, I'll recommend, well, maybe that's not for the floor yet. And maybe in a few years, you will be able to share that openly. Um, but some people, you know, they really, they need to get the details out because they've never said it out loud before. Mm -hmm. And and for me, like, again, if I didn't have the practice I had in treatment, I don't know if I would have been able to be as vulnerable as I've been. But I will say this, my vulnerability in the rooms has always been met with love. Um, I, I'm very fortunate. I have 
not had that encounter where, you know, I, I left a meeting and everyone stared at me and, you know, next thing I know it's on the internet or something like I'm really grateful. I, I have not experienced that. Cause I don't know if I would have been able to walk back in. Um, most of the time I just get head nods and me too's and, um, that, that deadens the isolation and the risk for me. Um, so I'll touch on the italics. I will assess that what I may be concealing and where I'm afraid of being vulnerable. Um, generally as things pop up, um, I call my support group right away or my sponsor right away for something that maybe I'm ashamed of still and, and living in that fear. It might be harder for me to get vulnerable about immediately, but, um, I think most recently I've been having issues with um, kind of falls into the category of food and sex, although I'm not acting out on it. It's the it's the thoughts of I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not uh, fit enough. Like those things can kind of just slide up when everything else is going good. And then I don't want to get vulnerable um, with my body or I don't want to tell people I'm having issues with this or um you know I was raised by a mom who struggles with bulimia and so my relationship with food can be complex sometimes and it's um it's only because of NA that I'm aware of these things and yet because I don't have anyone in my immediate circle struggling with it sometimes it feels really weird to talk about um how do I tell you I don't like the way I look when I know logically like I'm healthy, I'm fit, I'm, um, you know, not binging, and I'm not throwing up. So I, I start minimizing in my head, like, I shouldn't feel this way. Bro, our addictive thinking gives a fuck less about facts, right? It just does. It just does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so if we have some listeners here, and, and I'm glad that you, that, that, that you framed it like that, because, it's, 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 it's funny when you're talking about like, Hey, you know, the, the sex thoughts, you know, whatever. And then, and then the food complex relationship. And then if you throw anything about money in there, like those areas are so relatable amongst us. Mm-hmm. So rel- right. Like you, you, you throw a rock in the media, everyone who got hit by the rock can, can relate to those on some level. Yes. And I'll be damned if that isn't the most hesitation we feel when it comes to talking about ourselves, like here, let me open myself up and let me tell you about you know, and you're exactly right. Like, Hey, how do I look? You know, what about these thoughts and what about this? And am I not good enough? And that's the biggest thing that I can reflect on when I, w- I got clean at 16 and I know you got very, you know, clean, very young. And I, I want, yeah, I want to yeah, 16 as that. well. Yeah. So, and there, there's some of us around, I mean, there yeah. are some of us around, you know, who got clean at 16 and are still, and are still rocking it. When I got clean, I didn't think I deserve, I didn't think I was worth the investment that people were giving me. It was trippy, man. Yeah. It was trippy to be able to say, hold on, you mean you're giving me your time? You're taking me out to eat after the meeting? You're paying for, for my stuff? I felt this big, and they they loved me like I was this big. It was it was one of those things, yeah. you know? And so so, um, the, the final question here that I would like to ask you is, what what was that coming in with, with I would assume, your experience would probably be similar to mine. We looked around the, the room. Nobody else was 16, man. You know, it was like, it was like, hey, I did, you know, I'm here people talking about they just did a seven year bid or, you know, they went through three or four, you know, eight marriages, shit like this. And I'm like, could you, could you tell us what did that look like for you saying, hey, look, even though the outside story 
may be a little bit different, but here I can connect with you on this level. So I stuck with what we were talking about earlier, like stick with the feelings, not the situation. The truth is my situation was not like a lot of people. Um, I came out of a 15 month treatment program. And while I heard some old timers share, they had done a, a therapeutic community like myself, that form of treatment had actually started to fade out. So I could connect a little with them on that. And they would laugh with me about like the shenanigans that went on in there, like sweeping the sun off the roof when you were in trouble, like that kind of stuff. And that kind of gave me a little foundation with them. Um, but then I really had to learn how to identify my feelings and, and apply that when I was sharing, take out, take out my age, take out my sex, take out where I lived and just start understanding like you felt isolated too. Okay. You um, did things you never thought you would do. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, you ended up in places you never thought you and you would end up. You, you don't understand how you're alive and like you have all 10 fingers and 10 toes. Like I understand that. And then really for me understanding, like I had the opportunity while I couldn't stand all, all the times people were like, you have life by the balls. Like, go, you know, go get, go stay clean now. Like you can do anything. Um, sometimes that was a bit overwhelming for me, but what it allowed me to do was recognize, like, I don't have to do a bid. I don't have to be married 20 times. I don't have to end up in 60 grand in debt with 10 years clean because of a gambling issue. If I listen to these people, I can put this information on the shelf and go back to it. And I, I feel like I've, I've done that a lot over the years and I've known who I could call when things came up now, 16 years later. Um, and that saved me from a lot of angst. Um, and I'll just wrap up with this. Like there's absolutely times I've acted out in recovery and ended up in fetal position clean and wondering why do I feel this way clean? Um, it feels like I'm using, why, why am I doing this to myself? And those were absolutely the times that, um, like this last paragraph says, I had to really say like, that outweighed the pain, um, getting vulnerable outweighed the pain. And I just needed to get honest to save my ass and not my face. And I'm glad I did because they're else I probably would have used. Thank you all again for spending your time with us today on the anonymous podcast. I encourage you all to focus on that magic six letter word others as we go out into the world. Stop by the Facebook page, fellowship with other guests or send me a text. Let me know if you'd like to be a guest or if you have any ideas on future podcasts. Until next time, I'm your host, Douglas L. Namaste and God bless. Mm -hmm.